Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We are currently in the series, Nailed It. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to Nailed It. I am so happy that you are here. Beyond a story that we're going to walk through for the next several weeks, these are the events that led to a real spiritual awakening in 1517. And these are the events that had dramatic impact upon the church. And not only did they have impact on the church way back in 1517, but some of these things set in motion are still having dramatic impact upon the church today. I am very excited about this series, and I want to throw out a challenge for everybody here. Over the next five weeks, as we walk through Nailed It, I want to encourage you to be here for each one of these talks. And here's why I want to give that encouragement to you. Three reasons. Are you ready? Number one, as followers of Jesus, we are heirs of a rich history that began in the New Testament with the formation of the church and continues to this day. We have a rich history. And to study the events of history and in particular Church history is really to study the ways of God. And I think this is so important for us. We can't forget, and this is valuable, so I want all eyes up here for just a moment. We can't forget that we are part of something historical. This right here, the church. We're a part of history that began way back in the New Testament and continues to this day. And here's what I know about the church. The church us. We're beautiful. In the eyes of God, the church is beautiful. I know that to be true because scripture tells us that the church is the bride of Christ and brides are beautiful. So here we are as a church, we are beautiful. Now, sometimes the bride of Christ acts like the bride of Frankenstein. Right, And that's kind of frightening and scary. And that was happening in 1517. And we'll discuss some of those things because it was a little scary what was happening. But ultimately, the bride of Christ, well, she is beautiful and should be valued and protected so that her impact gives life to others. And so I want you to commit to being here over the next several weeks because we're reviewing something that we are now a part of, and we stand on the shoulders of reformers and other individuals who stood for truth, and we need to be ready to pass on some of these important things to future generations as well. So let's not forget, we, right now, we're part of something historic and beautiful. Secondly, I want you to be here because there are some key truths that came out of the spiritual awakening that made the church great. And we want to rediscover them and think through those truths. Thirdly, I want you to commit to this series because the central question of the Reformation is still a profound question. And that is, how does a person get right with God? How? How? How does a person get right with God? I think this is a question many people are still asking. 
Perhaps some of you in this room are asking that question today. How can a person get right with God? How? Well, in attempting to answer that question, here's what the reformers did. They went back to discover what is essential to Christianity. What matters the most? What is most important to following after Jesus? What is essential to Christianity? And so here's what I want to do. I want you to go on a journey with me over the next five weeks. And together, let's think about essential Christianity. Not essential oils. That's that's like a different series. Maybe we'll get to that later. I want to think through essential Christianity. What really matters? Now, in order to have this essential Christianity conversation, we have to uncover five different statements that fell out of the Reformation and began to frame it. These five statements were known as solas. And do you remember that word from the video? It's a, it's a Latin word, which means alone or only. So these are five statements that stand on their own that provide a foundation for essential Christianity. Throughout the series, we get to learn a little Latin. I can tell you're thrilled. So here we go. Here are the five statements that framed the Reformation. Now, in the spirit of full disclosure, I am not a Latin expert, so pardon my French, okay? Some of you will get that during the halftime show of the Eagles game. All right, here we go. The five statements, the five solas, these Latin phrases that fell out of the Reformation, they are sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola gratia, grace alone, sola fide, faith alone, solus Christus, Christ alone, and soli deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone. Now these solas, these only statements, sola scriptura, sola gratia, sola fide, solus Christus, and soli deo gloria. Big deal. Really big deal. And there are individuals who gave their lives for the truth represented in these only statements. Here's what we need to understand. And this is important for you to hear. We really need to grasp this. These statements, these solas, scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone. These statements are more than just cutesy words on a screen. Okay? They're more than words etched in stone somewhere in Europe, if that even happened. I'm not sure. They're more than cutesy statements. They are more than mantras for old guys who wore weird hats back in 1517. All right? That was just kind of a 16th century thing. That's what they did. These statements are more than mantras for old guys who studied theology. More than cutesy statements. Here's what they are. They represent what is core to Christianity. And so again, I want to invite you to go on a journey with me. Let's just dive into these statements and discover what they mean for us. So here's what I want to do each and every week, just so you know what's going to happen. Here's kind of our 
walking path for the five different weeks. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone. I want to dive into one sola per week. And we'll study it. We'll think through what it means and what it meant back in 1517. And then we want to think through, how does that apply for us today? Because this happened back in 1517, this reformation, this spiritual awakening, it happened. But in reality, it still should be happening today as we grasp these solas. And so there's so much for us to discover about what happened 500 years ago and how that applies to us today. Am I making sense? Are we okay? Wonderful. Let's begin with sola scriptura or scripture alone. And I want to begin with that sola because in my research and thinking through all the different reformers and the things that they did and said and wrote, I think this is where it began for them. It began with scripture. And they just fell in love with the Bible all over again. And they began to research and study. And what they began to find there just shook them to the core, to where they could not let go of what was happening there. And so they began to cry, Scripture alone. We've got to get back to the truth of what we find here. The Reformers fell in love with the Bible And they simply wanted to get back to what it said, discover truth from God's word, and then make it available to common people. That's what they wanted. And so we begin with sola scriptura or scripture alone, because I honestly believe this is where the Reformation started with these individuals who said, let's lift up the truth of scripture. Here's our big idea. God's word is a big deal and demands our attention. And we're going to think through that. The Bible is a big deal and demands our attention. I think we need to ask this question, though. Is this conversation needed today? As we think about the Bible and its value and importance, is this conversation about lifting it up and saying we should dive in and love this book and Meet God here. Is this conversation still needed today? Maybe it was needed in 1517. After all, that's the dark ages and things were a little frightening back then. But we live in an enlightened era. Is this conversation needed today? Well, I think even a casual observance of culture points us to scripture being mocked and demeaned and seen as nothing more than a grouping of fairy tale stories. I think that's true perhaps more now than ever. And I think that's true outside of the church, unfortunately. I think that's also true inside the church. Richard Dawkins, an avowed atheist and best-selling author, had this to say about scripture from a book he published in 2006. Those who wish to base their morality literally on the Bible have neither read it nor understood it. Interesting statement from Richard Dawkins. Those who wish to base their morality literally on the Bible have neither read it nor understood it. 
It's an interesting statement to me because I base my morality literally on the Bible. I have read it and I understand it. So I find that statement to be grossly inaccurate and callow and it's just not true. It's just not true. So do we need to have this conversation today? Absolutely, we do. Now, I think there's a couple of different ways we could approach this conversation. We could talk about the accuracy of the Old Testament and lift that up. And we've had that conversation in the past, and we'll do that again in the future at some point. We could talk about how accurate the Old Testament is, which means it's reliable and trustworthy. And from a scholarly perspective... That's widely respected, the accuracy of the Old Testament. We could talk about that. Or we could talk about the manuscript evidence for the New Testament. There's tremendous manuscript evidence, which again, from a scholarly standpoint, is widely accepted. We could talk about that. We could talk about the unity of Scripture and how there is a central theme that runs throughout all of these different books. And keep in mind, these authors didn't have the chance to get in the same room and say, hey, you write this, and why don't you cover that issue, and then I'll talk about this. They didn't have the opportunity to do that. The Bible was written over a period of many years, different people, different backgrounds, but yet there is tremendous unity in talking about the redemptive and salvific work of Christ. We could talk about that. Or we could talk about how God breathed out scripture and the mechanics of that process, which is absolutely astounding and beautiful. So the accuracy of the Old Testament, the manuscript evidence for the New Testament, the unity of scripture, and the mechanics of scripture being breathed out by God. We could talk about that and have fun doing that, but I want to set that to the side for just a few moments. And it's not that, that's not important, vitally important. And again, we've talked about it in the past, we'll, we'll do that again in the future. But here's what I thought would be kind of fascinating and struck me as let's think about this. And what I want to consider today as we lift up sola scriptura and the reformers cry for the value of scripture and getting back to what we discover there as central to Christianity This is what I want to think through. What did Jesus think about Scripture? Often I hear people say, you know, I just focus on the words of Christ. I really look to those words. And I get that. I agree with that. I think that's a wonderful thing. So if we exclude a lot of other scholarly information and content, if we just look at the words of Jesus what would we discover? What would we discover? Did he say anything about scripture or not? Did he quote it? Did he use it? And keep in mind, there's no New Testament at this time. There's no Matthew through Revelation. That was written after Jesus was killed and rose again and ascended and went back to heaven. So that wasn't even around for Jesus to address but did he speak of something that was to come? So this is what I want to dive into this morning as we think about scripture alone. Set all those other things to the side. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus believe, if anything, about scripture? Okay, if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Matthew chapter 5. 
That's one of the paragraphs we're going to discuss. And then we're also going to look to John chapter 16. So Matthew chapter 5 and then John chapter 16. What we find in these gospels is that they are eyewitness accounts of what Jesus said and what he did. And so we find Jesus speaking in both of these paragraphs. He's talking and he addresses something that is very interesting. So let's begin with Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading with verse 17. Again, what did Jesus say, if anything? Verse 17, the words of Jesus. Don't misunderstand, he said, why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. You've heard me say before, I I like to highlight and underline in scripture. I think that's valuable. So I would encourage you to highlight and underline the phrases, the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets. All right, highlight that because they are key phrases right there. What's happening in Matthew chapter five? Well, Jesus is talking. He's teaching to a group really. And he points out, I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Those two distinct phrases would have been very familiar to that crowd. They would have understood Jesus by talking about the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets was referring to the entirety of the Old Testament. Those were common terms used to point to Old Testament writings. And so this would have been shocking almost for that crowd. Because they would have understood Jesus to be affirming in a pretty significant way the writings of the Old Testament. And he's saying, I didn't come to get rid of them. I came to accomplish them. That's the reality of what Jesus said. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail. Hang on to those two words. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Interesting. Those two words, the smallest detail, refer to the smallest Hebrew letter, which looks like an apostrophe. So just a tiny little letter. The English equivalent of that would be the difference between an O and a Q. They kind of look similar, don't they? Well, what sets off the cue? What makes it a little bit different? It's that tiny little tail that makes the cue distinctly different from the O. But it's a small little thing, but yet important in understanding the English language. And what Jesus is saying here is that the smallest Hebrew letter, even that will be fulfilled. And what Jesus is doing here is he is lifting up and he is affirming the Old Testament. I think it's very fair to say that Jesus held a high view of the entirety of the Old Testament. And get this, Jesus did quote from the Old Testament. Now, time would not possibly allow us to dive into all the different scriptures that Jesus quoted. But I would encourage you on your own, dive in, and study and find the different passages of scripture where Jesus said, don't you know 
it has been said. Well, when Jesus is speaking of that, he's referring to the Old Testament because keep in mind, there was no New Testament yet. So whenever he talks about, don't you know it has been written? He is referring to something in the Old Testament. He's lifting that up. Jesus had a high view of the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Again, when Jesus was here on earth, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. That happened after Jesus ascended and went back to heaven. But does Jesus talk about something that may come that is worthy of our attention? Well, here's what we find in John chapter 16. And I'm going to begin reading verse 12. Again, these are the words of Jesus. He's talking to his closest followers, his disciples. And here's what he says. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Like, you can't even handle this. And then he says this in verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Important phrase. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. And he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Keep in mind that in the room there are future authors of some New Testament books. And Jesus here is affirming what is to come by saying there is going to be a guide. There is going to be someone who comes the Holy Spirit who will be able to help you accurately remember what I have said and what I have done. He will give you great recall. So in this little paragraph right here, he will guide you into all truth and the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Jesus is pointing to something that is coming and is worthy of our time and attention. So Jesus lifted up the value of the New Testament scriptures. Now, when you think about Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets, and I have come to fulfill them even down to the tiniest little letter. When you hear Jesus talking about a process, for how others will be able to accurately recall what I said and what I did and how that's valuable as well. Here's a conclusion statement based on Matthew 5 and John 16. Jesus held a very high view of Scripture. All of it. The Old Testament and what was to come. Jesus held a very high view of Scripture. And so the question for all of us to wrestle with today is this. Am I qualified to hold a lower view of Scripture than Jesus? Right? I want us all to wrestle with this. Because often people say, you know, I just focus on the words of Jesus and what he said and what he did. Yes, and that's wonderful. Where here is Jesus with his words lifting up the Old Testament and the New Testament. He had a high view of Scripture. So if that's how Jesus felt, 
If that's what he said, then am I qualified in any way to hold a lower view of Scripture than Jesus himself? The reformers didn't think so. They didn't. And so they resolutely came out and said, above tradition, above the words of men, we have to dive into this book. We have to find the mind of God and then begin to live that out. Not just talk about it, not just study it, but actually implement it into our lives. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone. It has the ability to stand. And so the reformers just said, let's get back to this. And let's make this a priority and a big deal. Well, here's how we live out sola scriptura. We don't use that phrase a lot here at Valley Point Church, but we do live that out. And I want to describe that to you. We have a truth, uh, a value that is our truth value. Something that's important to us. And we describe our truth value this way. We are passionate about following Jesus and applying biblical truth so it makes a difference in how we live. All right? This is something that we aspire to do. We are passionate about following Jesus and applying biblical truth. Those are the key words here as we think about sola scriptura. We're passionate about following Jesus and applying biblical truth into our lives, getting into scripture because it's important. Jesus lifted all of it up. It's important, so we want to get into it so that it makes a difference in how we live. That's why almost every week, with a few exceptions, you will hear me or some speaker say, all right, take your Bible, get your device, and here's the paragraph that we're going to unpack today. And we don't do that because we're following someone else, some other model. We do that because we need to hear from God. Like we desperately need that in our world and in our times. You need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. And we can discover that right here in Scripture alone. Let me share three takeaways with you. Number one, regularly read. All right? So important for us to regularly read the Scripture, even if you don't believe it. And maybe that's how you feel this morning. You're not sure. You get it, but you're just not quite there and you're skeptical about Scripture. I understand, and I want you to know you're welcome here at Valley Point Church. And we encourage you to bring those doubts and concerns right in the door with you. And I have people say to me all the time, you know, I don't read the Bible because I don't think it's true. And I normally follow that by saying, we read things all the time that we know aren't true. <laughs> right? If you spend any amount of time online, you're going to read something that just isn't true. So that's not a great excuse. I would encourage everybody to regularly read scripture for the great literature that it is. Just give it a shot and see what God potentially stirs in your heart in terms of tuning you to sola scriptura. I don't really have time to talk about reading plans, but that's helpful. If you don't have a plan, you're probably not going to follow through on that particular plan. 
It'd be great for everybody to download the YouVersion Bible app. It's incredible. There you can find a Bible reading plan that they will deliver right to your phone or into your inbox, and you can read, and it's easy, and it'll be a great thing for you. Or maybe you want to read a proverb for the day. Whatever that looks like for you, it doesn't matter. We just have to regularly read. And I think this is what we see coming out of the Reformation, giving people the opportunity with a Bible in hand to say, what is God saying to me? Really important. So regularly read. Secondly, regularly place yourself under the authoritative teaching of God's word. We need to do that. By the way, that's why this is so important. And I don't say that because I happen to be one of the main voices here. I say that because you need it and I need it as well. We have to place ourselves under the authoritative teaching of God's word on a regular basis so that we're feeding ourselves and we're responding to the voice of God and what he wants for us. Because the reformers were convinced, and I believe it to be true, that the answer to life's toughest questions can be found within the word of God. And so if we're not regularly placing ourselves under authoritative teaching, we may miss some of the answers to the questions that we have. So we got to regularly read. That's important. And add to that, placing yourself under the authoritative teaching of God's word. Thirdly, answer the question, am I living sola scriptura? Am I living this? It's one thing to talk about it and intellectually assent to the idea of Scripture alone. It's another thing to actually live this. See, I think when we spend time in Scripture, it just changes how we think about ourselves, how we view others, how we see God and him interacting in the world, it just changes everything. And that's why we have to regularly read and regularly place ourselves under the authoritative teaching of Scripture so that we can live out Scripture alone. It has the ability to change how I view myself, how I view others, and how I see God interacting in his world. May God, may God give us the passion to prioritize something that is so valuable to him. Sola Scriptura. Father, we are grateful for your word. And we find ourselves looking backwards a little bit. We're looking into history and some of the things that happened there. And 500 years ago, there were some individuals who began to dive into your word. That's where it began. That's where it started for them. They had this conviction that answers to questions could be found right there. And so they began to search and study and talk about what that meant. And it caused some problems for them without a doubt. But yet it also led to the spiritual awakening where the beauty of scripture was lifted up for all to see. God, I I pray for myself. Sometimes I'm ashamed as a minister of the gospel, so to speak, how I can quickly let 
the day get away from me and not spend a few moments having a chair time where I sit and read what you have so lovingly provided for me to understand your mind and heart. And I use excuses like it's too hard and I don't get it and it seems strange and there's customs and it doesn't all make sense. God, we walk through this. But the reformers set this example that there is beauty and scripture alone provides answers. And God, I want to be a person who dives into your word to discover what it says and what that means for me today. And God, I want that for everybody here at Valley Point Church. I want us to be known as a faith community that is just crazy about the Bible and what it says. And we wrestle with it and we question and we have our doubts. That's fair. But we bring all of that to you. And you're okay with that. And in community, we learn together. We place ourselves under the authoritative teaching of Scripture and Scripture alone above tradition or what people say. So that we can line our lives up with what you want for us And God, we can find that in your word. So sola scriptura, like the reformers, we lift this up and ask that you help us to not only think about it, to not just study it, perhaps even discuss it, but to live out scripture alone. God, this is going to provide the foundation for our series. So challenge us, convict us, change us to where your words become life to us. God, on this Sunday morning, I want to pause in the midst of our worship time to think about the many who are suffering right now in Florida with this tremendous storm, this hurricane that is coming and is upon them right now. God, we have people in this room from Florida who are here because they had to get away from their homes. And certainly there's people traveling all over the place. God, we would pray for those in harm's way for safety. For safety. We lift this whole situation up to you. It seems so massive and beyond what we can control, and it is. And so we we lift this up to you, God. And even in the midst of these situations that we can't always understand, God, help us to turn back to Scripture and stand on what you say there about who you are and your deep love for us. Help us to respond appropriately to you now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.